0: You're listening to The Table Church Podcast. The Table is a community in Orville, California that aims to follow Jesus by doing what he did. Love God, love our neighbors, and serve those in need. Find us at thetablechurch.net, Instagram, or Facebook. And now for the message.
1: That is the sermon series that we are in. uh, What I wish I would have known Essentially, we're doing this series, uh, Paul's letter, 1 Timothy. He is writing uh, to uh, his protege, and this uh, today's sermon is called Putting First Things First. Uh, again, the context, St. Paul is writing to his disciple, Timothy, his protege. He, he's handing on wisdom uh, to address some problems in the Ephesian church. Timothy is in the uh, Ephesus church, the Ephesian church, to to bring order and to bring things that Paul wants to see happening in the church that he started there. You can read about Paul's journey there in Acts 19. But this letter is to his protege, passing on wisdom, passing on words that he wants Timothy to know. He's an, an older man. Paul is training Timothy, uh, as I said, by passing on wisdom. And these are his words, not only to Timothy, but to his church community and ultimately to us. It's weird. The Bible wasn't written to us, but it was written for us. Essentially, we're reading somebody else's mail, but the Holy Spirit has, has done it in such a way that is, it is building up of our faith and our church Uh, Today, again, we're talking about priorities, putting first things first. Here's some Ephesians background that I think we need to know before we jump into this passage. It's a major metropolitan area. It is huge. There there are lots of buildings. It was a a major place in the Roman world. Um, uh, Lots of uh, business, lots of different temples, lots of different commerce going on. It's in modern-day Turkey now. Uh, There was a temple dedicated to Artemis. Her temple, they, they said that she was the mother of all life. Uh, she was the goddess of hunting, fertility, midwifery. She was um, incredible in their eyes, and they built this huge temple to her. It was the number two wonder of the world. There's, you know, the seven wonders of the world. Her temple was number two on the list. It was in this incredible building where they worshipped Artemis. In fact, only women could be priests there. There's all kinds of things going on. And all this context informs what's going on in today's letter. But essentially what I want to talk about today is the Greeks, the Ephesian Greeks, they thought very highly of themselves because this was such a center of the world. This was such a center of Artemis' worship. This was one of the ancient wonders of the world. They were very proud. There was a lot of ego and arrogance and thought very highly of themselves. And a lot of this crept into... Jesus' church that Paul had formed there. A lot of this ego, this, um, the, this thinking very highly of themselves, this exceptionalism. Some people in the church were, even created systems that validated their own egos and arrogance. If you read the beginning of the letter, Paul says that they've created all these genealogies to try to figure out why they are so important and unique and why God has blessed them and blessed them almost alone. And so that all of this is creeping into the church. They thought they were unique. They thought they were special. They thought God loved them most because of their nationality. The Romans were the biggest, baddest empire on the planet because of their wealth. Ephesus had a great amount of wealth, which Paul talks about a lot in this letter. They had a lot of standing. There was nobility. They had abilities. There was a lot of things for them to have a lot of pride in, and Paul wants to address some of that because it caused them to look down on people and count some people out of God's mission and blessing. It caused them to, to wonder why they, those people didn't have as much as they did. And so they created a system to justify their blessing and assumed that God didn't like those other people more. And I think that touches on us. We're guilty of this too. As a nation, as Americans, sometimes we have an exceptionalism where we think uh, we, we say God bless America, right? When, when God's not into blessing individual nations. In politics, right, we think our party is right. Classes, right, there's, there's a wealth thing that goes on, especially in our community that seems to have lots of folks who are without homes, right? There's a, a way in which sometimes we can look down on people with addictions or people who are without home. And so uh, we can count people out. We can look down upon We can try to avoid. And so here's my powerhouse of a question. We're starting off with a bang, y'all. It's an election season and things are spicing up. How do you think Christians can maintain unity in one of the most divisive periods in American history?
0: Coming in hot with that question. Yeah, I am. Yeah.
1: What do you got? You got an answer or are you just oh, sure. on the question? Yeah, no. That's a great <laughs> question, James. Miranda? Moving on. <laughs> no. Um, I, I,
0: I'm just sitting here contemplating it, and I'm kind of going uh, just the reminders to myself that I don't serve a president and a government. I serve a king and kingdom and uh, God's holy kingdom and, uh, uh, you know, who, who you serve. And then also um, I just, as I'm getting older, you know, and less try to be less entrenched in politics, and at least in my mind, um, the more I realize the wisdom of our elders. And, you know, uh, in Methodism being uh, founded by John Wesley and Free Methodism being founded by B.T. Roberts, they were both guys who were issues voters. And, uh, I, man, I'm really just becoming more and more of an issues voter because there is no – I have yet to find a party – that Absolutely. I agree with every policy. Absolutely. And so instead of choosing a party uh, as my, you know, and sometimes you've you got to go with the party you think has most issues, but instead of identifying myself fully with. And so I think that Christians can maintain unity by recognizing we can't agree so much with either one <laughs> that it becomes our identity. Absolutely. And that, and that Jesus is the one who um, teaches us how we should uh, think about issues and how we should think about folks in our community yeah. and uh how we should think about law and how we should think about what's best for people yeah. um based on uh his word and his uh example rather than the example that you know the parties have for us excellent thank you that's that's me
2: Yeah, I like so much of what you said, because I think for me, the way that we, yeah, we maintain unity is not focusing on one single person or one single, um, yeah, just one single person. And that really, it is about the issues and not focusing on one single person means for me not focusing on one single political party. Um, And that's how we can maintain, maintain some unity. And yeah. 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 That's all I got.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I would go so far as to say that the kingdom is not uh, encapsulated in any one party. And so if any one party uh, summarizes all of our political identity, then we probably are outside of the kingdom somewhere in our it life. Might be compromising. Yeah. My temptation is to um, say, well, I'm just not going to do politics like I'm just going to just it's too messy. But then I realize that there really are some populations that need some good politics to happen for them to, uh, you know, not be crushed or oppressed. And so I think what I'm going to do this year is do that 1 that, uh, Corinthians 12, Romans 12 thing and just try to celebrate diversity of like we need all the different thoughts instead of, instead of demonizing or making enemies of people that think differently. I'm saying that thought is absolutely valid and needed um, and trying to celebrate the diversity instead of uh, trying to beat it or win. I'm going to try to do that this year. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think
2: also just kind of going off of both of you, I think I enjoy spending time a little more in the gray area. Like So uh, uh, right now we're in this really socially distant, uh, a lot of technologies on a lot of social media and things like that. I tend to shy away from or even snooze people who are a little too, uh, if you believe this, then you have to be this. Because I believe there's so much gray that I'm just not really interested in being all... Yeah. All either way, r- yeah. uh, right now that Absolutely. we're we're not listening to voices if we are if we're being like that. So. Absolutely,
1: thanks for wading into that with me right away. Uh, You know how I preach, head, heart, hands, or no, feel, do. I use those interchangeably, something to know with our head, something to experience with our heart, something to do with our hands. Um, This gives us a holistic faith. But Paul's message today out of of 1 Timothy 2 is backwards. So we're going to do hands, heart, head, or do, feel, no. I know it's a little bit (laughs) (laughs) shaking it up up in here, (laughs) your bearings. Uh, Here's our story, 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 6. It says, First of all, remember, we're doing priorities. Then I ask that request, prayers, petitions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. Pray for kings and everyone who is in authority so that we can live a quiet and peaceful life in complete godliness and dignity. This is right, and it pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. There is one God and one mediator between God and humanity, the human Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a payment to set all people free. What does Paul want us to do? What does Paul want us, uh, what does God ultimately uh, in God's word through Paul want us to do with this passage? He says right away, prioritize prayer. Prioritize prayer. How does he start off? First of all, chapter one is introduction. Chapter one is, hey, this is why I sent you here. Chapter one is maybe we should institute these policies. And then when Paul goes to teach, when Paul gives a, a teaching, an exhortation, it is about prayer. First of all, Then I ask that request, prayers, and petitions. These are three words that are relatively synonymous. Uh, We can get what's going on behind that, but it's about prayer. And Thanksgiving, request, prayers, petitions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Paul is telling us, what are we supposed to do? Prioritize prayer in our life. And then he tells us to pray for kings and everyone who's in authority, and we'll get to that in just a minute. After Paul's introduction, he jumps into what he wants Timothy and the church to know first prayer. It reminds me of this John Wesley quote. He says, God does nothing except in response to believing prayer. I bring that quote up every time because sometimes I struggle with prayer, Um, but the the ancients believed in the power of prayer so much. The ancient Christians, in fact, it was what they did. They tried to do it unceasingly. Martin Luther, uh, 15, he started the Protestant Reformation. He says, I have so much to do that I shall have to spend the first three hours in prayer. And I'm always taken by this quote because when I get busy, it's, the prayer is one of the things I cut out. And yet for this uh, faithful saint, uh, it, the busier he gets, the more time he devotes to prayer because it is just that important that he wants to prioritize that first part of his morning. And it is uh, there are eyewitnesses that he would spend one, two, three hours in prayer every morning, out loud, verbal. Praying to God. And
0: I just, for me, it's like, I, I don't, I, it's hard for me to spend time in prayer too because I feel like I want to do something. Yeah, right. But to these guys, they're going, that is the thing that you do that gets things done. That's the work we do. Yeah. Uh,
1: it reminds me of this story. I had a person in church um, a long time ago, different church, and he was saying that there was a lot of chaos in his house, a lack of peace, felt like things were really um, anxious. Felt like uh, there was just a lot of activity that was unproductive. And so I asked him what he's going to do. And he said he's going to commit to a time of prayer, which was surprising to me. uh, But he was just going to take some time to be praying for his household, for his family. And I checked in with him a couple weeks later, and he says, there's a lot more peace there's a lot less anxiety. Things have calmed way down. I don't know if it's an answer to prayer, but prayer has certainly helped me approach this in a way that was much more productive than trying to manage it or control it or to to, to scramble around to try to make everything better. I just prayed for my family and there was peace in my house. And that has always been such a powerful witness to me, just simple things. And I bring that up because now (laughs) there's never a better time. Everything is wild. And so what what a better there is not a better time for us to just maybe focus double down on learn to maybe for the first time develop a pattern a habit a discipline of prioritizing prayer in our life doing what Paul says here to make sure that we are praying praying for everyone here's my question for y'all have you seen an answer to prayer recently go for it. That's it. That's the whole question. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, mine
0: was, and I think there's been sufficient time for my dad to share his own news because yeah, hey, we Mike. wanted him to share his own news. But I mean, that's what really what's been going on in our hearts, uh, in our neck of the woods is just, uh, his battle with chemotherapy and, uh, um, uh, lymphoma. And, uh, so during COVID, so, um, Uh, it was a double (laughs) kind of a double doer there and we were just covering it in prayer and just praying all the time for dad and uh, a lot of them a lot of the prayer sessions turned into tears and uh, I was just really struggling because I just really wanted to see him well and there's many you know he's an older guy but there's many more things for him to see uh, on this earth and so I was just really praying for healing of course God's will Uh, be done but i was asking uh, god please make it your will that you (laughs) heal my father and he did he got to ring the bell and uh in the play you know when they have somebody beats cancer they get to ring the bell and the thing and so he got to ring the bell so um that was just uh just another way that and, and i know that story isn't to say that sometimes you can pray and really cover it and and be all over it and still the person might pass away of cancer and and so um it's it's you know it's a tough one uh but ultimately uh we feel like it was god's will obviously that my dad would would live and and uh he did so um we're just grateful to have you dad and uh we're um Like I said, we just prayed for that a lot, and I feel like that was answered prayer.
1: Thank you for sharing.
2: Mine seems a little bit silly following that. Uh, But the most immediate thing I can think of is my son uh, Clayton, went to Quincy this past week and um, actually fri- Friday uh, and took his test for his license and I don't know as a, as a mom <laughs> being scared this is my firstborn first all the things Get off like, the sidewalk. uh yeah I just was like and I know that he had been preparing but I knew he was super anxious about it and I was just seeing all the things happen in my head that could go wrong uh, about his appointment and him not getting his license and so I just appreciate this this sermon of this that exact exactly what i did i remember being at work and just stopping what i was doing uh and just spending some intentional like it wasn't even that long probably two minutes in prayer about just be with him just let him bring all that knowledge forward let him be calm you know all the things and then he texted me like 15 minutes later he passed and he was driving home and, and all the things. So, yeah.
0: Well, and if the word says be anxious about nothing <laughs> and if something is making us anxious, even if it is kind of a small, that's not that small. That's yeah, kind know. of a that's it's kind a of a deal. big one. I mean, getting your yeah. driver's license.
1: First. So. First
0: born. Hey, amen. that's right. awesome.
1: You're getting old, Miranda. Right wow. Me, <laughs> <sir>. <laughs> I'm uh, pray for you, James. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, As the pastor, I get to be in prayer for lots of folks, and so I've seen a lot of things, but I haven't asked permission to share. And so just for our family, we, we had been praying a lot about our own home, which we got a few months ago, like the week quarantine self-isolation hit we moved from our um, apartment our our two-bedroom apartment to a much bigger space and so for us that was a huge answer to prayer and it just could not have come at a better time even though we love our apartment community at Tuscan Villa represent um, it was just the it was it was just felt like it all had come together and I could go on and on about the owner and how I mean she was great and she just really liked what we were doing and couldn't couldn't have worked out better it really felt like God's hand was on that so thanks for answering the question y'all. Uh, what does God want us to feel or experience in this text? What does he want us to, uh, in our hearts, experience? Um, a lot of the emphasis of the language is on this. Peace to practice our faith. Peace to go deeper in our faith. Uh, here's what he says. Uh, so that we can live quiet, a quiet and peaceful life in complete godliness and dignity. This is right and it pleases God our Savior. But we need to talk about the politics of prayer here real quick because it's there. Uh, in fact, right before that verse, it, it pops up and it says, pray for kings and everyone who is in authority so that we can live a quiet and peaceful life of complete godliness and dignity. We forget this verse when our party is not in office, and we weaponize this verse when our party is in office to try to co-opt the people that disagree with us into supporting our guy, into our person, into our policies. And so we use this verse. Pray for kings and all those in authority, right? If anyone complains about any policies that are going to... You need to pray for them. Oh, are you praying for them as much as you're complaining about them? We weaponize it or we forget about it. I'm just telling you what I do. Maybe I'm preaching to myself. If you don't feel like it, you too. Amen. But notice what Paul says. I just want to get a handle on this real quick before we we move on. I, I don't think this is the whole thrust of the passage, but it's there, part of the passage. Pray for kings. Why? Why do we pray for people in authority? So that, that tells you why, we can live a quiet and peaceful life in complete godliness and dignity. We pray that the government will leave us alone so that we could practice our faith in peace and quiet. Right? This is what we're praying for. We're not praying for any party or any uh politician for their for their platform to be successful. That is not what this passage says. You don't have to pray for them to get what they're wanting to do in the world. That's not what this passage is asking us to do. In fact, it's likely that Nero is the emperor at this time. Uh the the church has never been a friend to the empire. Uh, Nero was uh, uh, just torturous to the church. Paul is not here asking us to pray kind things for a kind man. He's asking us to pray so that we can practice our faith in peace and quiet, and there's a reason for that, and that's coming up. Ultimately, outside of the politics of prayer, the so that there is, is the emphasis of peace. God wants us to experience a peace, a quiet, which for me as an extrovert, quiet is always one of those hard ones to swallow, but it is such a valuable discipline that the ancient Christians tell us that we need to practice this peace and quiet. We need to grow so we need so we can grow more deeply in our faith. This reminds me of our conversation about introverts and extroverts that's been going on. Um, This has been, uh, seems like some of my introverted friends, if you don't know basic definitions, introverts are those who get um, energized by having some alone time, but they love people. They just also need to prioritize some alone. Extroverts get energized through uh, being with people, and so with some of the conversations we've been having, our introverted friends are saying, hey, like, it's OK if we hang out at home. Things aren't as bad. Like, it's good. We've lived in extroverts world uh, forever. The United States is primarily extroverted. Like, it's OK if we spend some time in solitude and, and aloneness. And and they said, even in the church, we, we hype up all these big extroverted uh, uh, experiences right Sunday morning is getting a bunch of people together and worshiping and it's loud and it and we're rejoicing and it's like it's okay if maybe things are a little bit different for a few months and I was reminded by them that it is exactly right that most of our faith should be in quiet and solitude and should be in the prayer closet and should be us trying to figure out how to grow closer to Christ to confess our sins to experience the healing of the Holy Spirit. We will need people for that, absolutely. We will need small groups. We'll need accountability partners. We will need Sunday morning worship gatherings. But most of your faith is going to be practiced mostly by yourself. And so when Paul says that God wants us to experience that peace and quiet, he's he's telling us this is the stuff we need for our faith to grow deeply. This is what Paul wants us to experience, peace and quiet. So with that in mind, here's my question to you all. Where is your quiet place? Do you have one? How often do you get to go there? Is it daily, weekly, a couple days? I don't know. Go for it.
2: Before we got started, I was like, I'm being super sarcastic right now. (laughs) And so my initial thought was like, Quiet place. Yeah, I have like six children. <laughs> that doesn't exist and I visit there zero times a year. But that's a lot li- <laughs> that's a little bit of a lie. <laughs> uh, my husband built me uh we call it the She Deck uh last year this past year. Yeah. It's like so eight that's feet the last the ground, huh? Yeah, it's like eight feet off the ground and I get a, I look up above over some of the junk in my neighbor's yard. Um and I get to see kind of the, the pretty houses that are out in the distance and the James and I share this big plot of land. It doesn't belong to us, but we share it, and Huge we share the fields. cows on yeah. it too. Uh, so I get to look at the same cows if you follow Erin right. at all. Uh, I get to see those same cows that she gets to see every day. So that's my quiet place. Um, and it's also a good almost almost an acre away from the main house, yeah. which is where the very loud humans <laughs> like to hang out. So that, it's essentially <laughs> quiet because it it is actually quiet, but it's quiet because, um, it's where I go in the morning. It's right next to my garden. I go water my garden, and I sit up there. Sometimes I play some worship music, and I just kind of bring in the day. So uh, I do visit that place, actually, pretty, I pretty much every morning. I saw the other
1: night, right? She was flipping lights. We yeah. could see each other from our houses. Uh, yeah, was that was pretty cool. Matt, where's That's your awesome. quiet place?
0: Um, mine is a little embarrassing. It's the bathtub. Yeah. I just got to spend time in the bathtub, just laying in there. Soaking in the words. Just <laughs> it's it's water, you know, and it's just relaxing. And I there's something about the sound of it. And I just I yeah. just, man, when it's been a long day. And the other thing, too, is that I don't fall asleep in there, which, yeah. like, in a chair. If I'm in a chair and I'm just, like, falling asleep, it's, like, torture. <laughs> so I go in there and I just relax. And so that's kind of where I like I to have it. my quiet time.
1: Great. I was going to say the same thing. I do a lot of my prayer in the shower in the morning. Um, because there are not humans allowed in there. You know, other tiny humans don't get to come in there. Um, and then also, I've been having some fun watering my plants at night in the evening. As soon as the sun goes down over the house, I go out and I bought a new soaker and I just soak my trees and my hedges. And it's just been a nice time and seeing the what an old dad you've I know. Become absolutely
2: I just have to touch on this really quick though because you t- pointed out the introvert extrovert thing yeah. it's like so this so this is my quiet space now but my quiet space before was actually being with people oh. like my I found believe it or not yeah. like my most thoughtful moments, and my most quiet and like watching the rest of the world moments yeah. was like when we would go to Disneyland that's why I loved it so much as we would just like sit down down- in downtown Disney, and I mean I guess you could call it people watch or whatever, but I would just sit, I would enjoy the music, yeah. I loved the lights, I mean all the things and and even in those moments with people all around me could like just
1: soak in the world Absolutely. I don't know, so
0: that was
2: quiet time too before. I miss that's it a what lot.
1: people watch that's why I'm sitting out in my lawn in my driveway watching James the cars. Sitting in driveway, <laughs> just watch the cars I go just by I need some people time <laughs> come on over and sit in my yard with me y'all last point is this what does God want us to know right we're doing it backwards so know first because everything lands on this foundation this platform of knowledge it's the 3m truth so get ready for that but it says this is right and it pleases God our savior who wants all people to be saved and to come come to a knowledge of the truth, not a truth, not your truth. Come to a knowledge of the truth. There is one God, one mediator between God and humanity, the human Christ who gave himself as a payment to set all people free. What is the truth for Paul in this passage? It's this 3M thing. There's a mission, there's a mediator, and there's a message. The mission is that God wants all people to be saved. That's the mission. That's the mission that we're all on. Is that we would see all people to be saved. That's what God desires, and that is the mission that we've been called to. And not only to be saved, but come to the knowledge of that truth. And the truth is this that there's one God, and there's one mediator between God and humanity, and that human that person is Jesus Christ. And so what's the truth here? There's one God and there's only one way to this God. It is through Jesus. And how is that done? Uh is because Jesus gave himself as a payment to set all people free. I could go in two-hour lecture here about ransom theory, but I'm not going to. Ultimately, what we know is that it's Jesus' work on the cross that sets us free. I'm going to reiterate all of that. God's mission is that all would be saved. And what he wants us to know is that there's a mediator. There's a way to access God. There's a way to be reconciled to God. There's a way to be saved to God, to be with God. There's only one way. There's only one God, and there's only one way to God, and that is through Jesus. And the message is this. How are we saved? The message is that Jesus died on a cross and set us all free. That is what Paul wants us to know, that there's a mission, that there's a mediator, and that there's a message, and everything else is connected to that. And that's why we pray. Why do we pray for kings and authorities? They claim to bring salvation. They claim to bring peace. They claim to bring prosperity. But we really need them to leave us alone so that we can proclaim the actual truth, the truth which is that King Jesus alone does all of those things. That's what we pray for them, so that we would have peace to do the real work. And why do we pray for all people? Because God desires that they all would be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth, namely Jesus Christ. This is the truth that we proclaim, that he has died, he has risen, and he will come again, and he has set us free by the power of his death and resurrection. Paul has no time for people who want to sow division in the church, he, who want to be condescending, who want to look down on others, who think they're, all, they're the only chosen ones. There is real work to be done because there are real people who need to experience the salvation and the knowledge of the truth, and, and uh, the work that needs to be done is pointing people to the one and only Savior of humanity, which isn't the emperor, which isn't the empire, which isn't, do I have all this? Jesus, who sets us all free through the cross and desires all to be saved into a loving relationship with to the true God. It is not the emperor. It's not the empire. It's not the Democrats. It's not the Republicans. It's not this president of Canada, this president of Canada, or your money, or your Roth IRA, or how big your car is, or what your job is, or how many boats you got, or how many, you, it's none of that stuff brings us salvation. Preach. It's only through Jesus Christ. This is why we pray for them, because we want them to be saved, or we want them to get out of our way so we can do the real work. Here's my question, y'all. Woo! as we wrap it up Bring in the fire do you all have a model of prayer that you follow and what is it this is why we pray so how i'm just wondering how do you pray if you ha- if you do you might not you might free, fro- free flow
2: um usually like i have a, a <laughs> i pray by a to-do list Excellent. of things that I have or people that I have uh, generally. But when I get stuck, I do use the ACTS, which you talked about a couple years ago, yeah. back in our Hofbra days. Yeah. And I don't remember all of the acronym, but I yeah. just know, you know the first part is like, talking about you know talking about who God is to me yeah. the truth that I know about God at yeah. time of confession thanksgiving and then bringing my laundry list a little bit Perfect. um and then the other one most more recently that you just talked about a couple months ago was breath prayer um so sometimes i just pick out sometimes it's a passage or um or just a really quick something that i've made up and and continue to breathe that in and out all day yeah. long um especially when there's things like i don't know Clayton and his driving test on my mind just in and out, in and out, whatever it is.
1: Excellent. I love the to-do list Absolutely. idea, which probably can it can, it probably has its problems, but I love it in connection with like there's real work to be done. And so you're like we're, we're praying because we're working. Like prayers work here. Absolutely. I love that. Um, I use one that I made up myself called
0: the Gratitude Sandwich. Mm-hmm. And if you've been here at church, you know I every time we're done singing, It's just like, we are so grateful, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we can be together. We are so grateful to be in your presence. Grateful, thankful, thankful, grateful. And uh, uh, I think it's for me, it's just, it helps my own attitude. Um, Just an attitude of gratitude, right? Like, Uh, It helps my own attitude to be grateful for what God has done instead of complaining about what He hasn't done for me, like He's a genie or something. So I do the gratitude sandwich where I'm just, I start with a ton of thankful and gratitude and then just like some like. Lord, if you could help me with this or if you could help this person or or uh, I'm praying for them this week or, uh, you know, I want a new Nintendo or, you know, and then finish it off with a grateful again, (laughs) Lord. But I am grateful for whatever you choose to do in your will. And uh, I just got to I got to surround it and in gratefulness. So that's kind of how I roll.
1: I love that. There's an old saint named Ignatius of Loyola. Is that right? And uh, yes, he uh, he. He invented all kinds of really incredible ancient practices, but uh, I read this quote about him. He says, ingratitude was the most abominable of sins and indeed the cause, the beginning and origin of all sins and misfortunes. So people who are ungrateful, yeah. that's where a lot of sin cropped up in his, in his understanding. So good. One of the prayers that I use in speaking about praying politically, but also just praying being work is the five finger prayer. Sometimes it's called the Pope Francis prayer, but he did not invent it. He just taught it to kids. And how it goes is that your thumb reminds you to pray for the people closest to you. And your pointer finger reminds you to pray for teachers and people who help you in your journey and your spiritual journey. Uh, Your tallest finger reminds you to pray for your leaders and those in authority over you. Your ring finger is a... is your weakest finger, and so it reminds you to pray for the the poor and the sick and those who are down and out. And then your smallest finger is to remind you to pray for yourself and bringing your requests last of all. And so this is called the five-finger prayer. And sometimes I do that when I want to be intentional about praying for our leaders because I'm not always intentional about doing that. And so five-finger prayer, look it up. Okay, let's summarize and be on our way. What does Paul, what does God want us to do through Paul's words here? Prioritize prayer, make it a priority. Maybe it's something that you did and you don't do anymore. Maybe it's something that you're learning for the first time. I I didn't learn it till I was later in life. Um, I didn't grow up praying as a kid, and so there's a lot of different ways. And if you're really interested, I can send you five or six practices that you could do to help you jumpstart your prayer life. But ultimately, it just takes time, sitting down, being quiet, talking to God, like God is in the room, and uh, also being quiet, sometimes just listening too. Uh, With our hearts, uh, what does Paul want us to experience? Peace to practice our faith. Peace. We pray for everyone and for kings so that that we can have the peace and quiet to practice our faith in all godliness and dignity. So there's an emphasis in here on finding that quiet, tranquil, peaceful. That's what God wants for you. That's God's will for you, and that's part of our prayer and why we pray. And with our head, what does God want us to know? The 3M truth that there is one mission, one God and mediator, and one message. And this is the real work that we're doing, and this is what we devote our prayers to. Would you pray with us? Father, thank you. Thank you for this word. Thank you for this encouragement to pray. There's a lot of benefit to prayer, and you've told us some of this in this passage. But the word here just encourages us to pray, and that is enough for us, that we want to be faithful followers of you and your word, and your word tells us, first of all, that we should be in prayer, and so we want to make prayer a priority. We don't always understand. We don't understand how it works. We don't understand why it works. We don't understand always what we should be praying for or how to pray, but we trust that if we devote ourselves to prioritizing this time, this discipline, this practice, that you will be with us, that you will help us, that it will come more easily easily and naturally to us, would your Holy Spirit strengthen us? Would your Holy Spirit help us to make time to be quiet, to sit, to pray, and to know that is exactly the good thing that you have called us to. It is not a waste of time. It is maybe the most fruitful thing that we can do with our time. So help us to change our thinking, help us to have endurance, and help us to make space. And we will be sure to give you praise and thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.